Hey, what is up, Elements? How are you guys doing tonight? Woot. We have not melted. We've successfully managed to stay in one piece and survive the 111 degree temperature that it hit today. Did anybody have any good uh, tricks on how you did that besides staying indoors? Stayed indoors, right? That's exactly what we did. How many of you were brave enough to go do like a six mile run at 3 p.m.? Nobody? Yeah, shocker, right? Anywho, welcome to uh, Element City Church. We're glad that you're here tonight. My name is Lyle. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and if you're joining us online, uh, welcome as well. We're glad that you're with us. If you are online, real quickly for you, we've got hosts that are there waiting to connect with you. So feel free to drop a, a comment in there. Maybe tell us where you're watching from. Uh, we've had people watching from Ukraine, from Scotland, from, uh, we've got Pennsylvania. Where else do we got? Gilbert. My mom's up in Gilbert. She watches. Go mom. Always got to say hello to mom, right? Got to take care of mom. That's how, that's how it works around here. So uh, if you are new with us, uh, we have the 10-minute party if you're on site uh, after the service is done. So you can head to the back. You don't have to be there for 10 minutes. Let's just clarify. It's just someone's going to be back there for up to 10 minutes. And we'd just love to connect with you. We've got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. That's the rule. That's how we say it. The best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. That's just for you. If it's your first time, we'd love to give you that gift and give you some more information about the church uh, if you want to get connected. Uh, another way you can do that, you can text into our phone number. We've got a phone number now. It's 520-340-6868. You text the word hello to 340-6868. You're going to get a link. You tap the link. You fill out the information. That gets you in the system as well. Uh, so we've got that uh, too. So, and then we've also got the church app. If you haven't downloaded the church app, make sure you get that Element City Church. That's in the App Store, Google Play Store, whatever your device of choice is. But let's all stand together. We're going to pray for the Church of the Week. Church of the Week is on the east side. It's the LBC. We're on a mission to pray for Pastor Robbie D. That's right. Living Branch Church. We have some friends uh, who used to be out. Yeah, that was for you, Bertram. That was for you. I saw the smile. You're welcome. Uh, so Delaney, I don't know if you all remember Delaney, but Delaney and Ricky, uh, they're at Living Branch Church now supporting them as they've planted. Uh, so we're going to pray for them uh, as we get uh, going into worship tonight. But we just want tonight to be a blessing to you, uh, whether you need healing, whether you need some peace, whether you just need some joy, whether you need community. Uh, we're just here uh, to let the Lord speak to us and to let the Lord uh, move in our hearts and our lives uh, as we get together uh, to sing. So let's pray. God, thanks for tonight. Thanks for the work that you want to do in this place. We're going to thank you in advance for the things that are going to happen tonight because uh, there's going to be lives that are going to be moved. There's going to be souls uh, that are stirred, God, and, and we're here to submit ourselves to you to hear what it is that you have for us tonight. Would you prepare our hearts for the way that you want to move and the things that you want to do in our hearts, in our minds, uh, as we uh, yield to you, as we're obedient to you, to, to gather, to worship through song and through the word. Uh, we pray for Living Branch Church. We thank you for Pastor Rob and his wife, Kendra, uh, and just the friendship that I've had with them for years, God. Uh, we're just excited for Rob to be able to start this church, uh, for them to get planted and, and to get going, Lord. And so we just pray for the momentum that's building, that you would continue that momentum. We pray that you would uh, continue to stir uh, in their hearts ways that they can be a blessing out in the Vale community and out there on the east side, Lord. Uh, would you just work in power uh, through them uh, to be a blessing to their community, God? And we just pray tonight, uh, again, would your will be done uh, as we gather together to worship you? Uh, would you uh, just use this time to give us what it is that we need uh, for this week uh, so that we can be equipped and ready to live for you, Jesus? It's all in your name that we pray. Everyone said, amen.
God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds a victory.
Grace will save the 
Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your very body began to breathe out of the silence. Declare the grave has no claim on me. Sing that again. Then came the morning, the seal, the promise. You're buried by. Nothing and no one, it's you 
change our hearts and transform us and make us more like Jesus and every day we would learn what it is to be more like you to walk in your steps to live by faith to not lean on our own understanding but rely on you and have peace about every situation would you please teach us tonight we love you, God, and we pray all these things in your precious and beautiful name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Amen. It's good to worship with you if you're in the house or tuning in from your house online, it's great to, to gather together and continue to, to kind of put our attention in God's direction. And that's our hope is that every time we gather, it's, 
it's an experience, it's an encounter with God that it's not just something that we gather and do and make our way through, but that God kind of makes his way through us. And so that's our heart and our intent every time we get together on a Sunday. And so I know there's some of you that are new, uh, maybe new tuning in online, and I just want to tell you thanks for giving us a shot and kind of giving us some of your time and your attention, and we'd love to connect with you. Uh, so if you are new here, we got that 10-minute party at the end. We'd love to connect with you or online. You can fill out a connection card. We started a series last week called Wisdom for Life, looking in the book of Proverbs. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can go to Proverbs. If you open up to the middle, you get to Psalms. You go right to one book, and you get to Proverbs. We're kind of going to be all over. You can open up the church app and uh, open up sermon notes, and you can kind of follow along that way. It's a way. Uh, and so if you missed last week, I want to invite you to kind of go back and check that out in the app or online uh, because we're, there's some foundational things we kind of looked at. I'll do a quick review, but wisdom is, is the what we really we live in the age of information, the information age, and that's a great thing. You could take your phone, uh, and you could tune me out, and you can look up anything in the world from your fingertips. But the reality is, information isn't what changes us or helps us to have the best possible life. It can help, but wisdom is actually what helps us live the best possible life. We said this from Eugene Peterson, his quote last week, wisdom is the art of living skillfully in whatever actual conditions you find yourself in. It's how to navigate life. And we said as you come into the world, uh, no one comes in with wisdom. Wisdom is not automatic, but it can be acquired. And so it's something we're to give ourselves to and look after. And we kind of looked at definition that we kind of introduced last week of this idea of wisdom is the ability to do the right thing, the good thing, and the godly thing in the moment that you're in. And so what if we begin to kind of seek and look for that to be true for us? And so Solomon wrote Proverbs. There's a few other authors in it. He is said in the scriptures that he wrote kind of 3,000 Proverbs or, or things about wisdom. We have most of those or a lot of those recorded in the book of Proverbs. I've heard some people say, listen, I've never read the book of Proverbs. And we kind of introduced this Proverbs challenge for this month, which is simply this. Uh, read the proverb of the day. So, like, if you're new, don't go back to the first one. Today is what? June 13th, right? So, you would read what chapter of Proverbs? You guys are so intelligent. It's crazy. The 13th. So, you read the proverb of the day. And part of this intent is to say, hey, I want to get wisdom in me. And so I'm going to read that proverb chapter of the day to kind of say, okay, God, what are you whispering to me? What was the one verse maybe as you read through that popped out to you? Maybe ask God why and begin to just kind of think about that. What, what, how can that be a part of my life? How can that become a part of my life? And so that's the challenge, the invitation for us is to make proverbs. Now, I've been doing this for lots and lots of years. Maybe you've never done it, and I just want to encourage you, maybe start. doesn't mean you have to read Proverbs every month, but you could. There's 31 days in most months. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. So maybe this becomes a yearly thing for you, and whatever that may look like. But I promise you, as you do this, as you actually get into the Word of God, you'll be the one who benefits. And you'll become wiser in how you approach life. This is what Solomon said at the beginning of the book of Proverbs in chapter 1. Remember he said this. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. To help them understand insights of the wise. The purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. To help them do what's right and just and fair. 
These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. So there's an intent here. There's something about that's going to be for our benefit. Remember last week we looked at the four different chairs that were up here, right? And the four different chairs where one was kind of the simple or the naive. Uh, and we said, listen, if you're in middle school, that's the seat you sit in. And that's not a knock on you. That's just the reality of life. You don't have a lot of life experience yet. And so you're kind of in that simple, naive seat. And some of us still log time there. Amen? Some of us do. And the next one was kind of this idea of the fool, the one who's maybe careless about life and says, I don't care. I'm just going to do what I want. There's the mocker, right? The one that's kind of critical. And we can spend time in that seat. Then there's the seat of the wise. And what you want is to get to spend more time and log more time in the seat of the wise. Because that's what actually leads to the best possible life. The truth is we will all sit in all four seats. And here's the other truth. Only you get to decide which one you sit in. No one else can decide that for you. So if you're young and you feel simple, then make the decision to go, hey, I don't want to live my whole life this way. I want to learn wisdom. I want to get knowledge. I want to get understanding. I want to pursue after that. And so we began to look. Remember, the simple person is kind of clueless. The fool is careless. The mocker is critical. But we're told to kind of seek this wisdom. Get wisdom. Search for it like you search for a treasure. That's what we ended with last week. Spend your life searching for that. So tonight, I want to look at how do you begin to apply wisdom uh, and what we'll call relational wisdom. How many of you are in relationships of some kind in your life? Could be a friendship, could be a family. Perfect, that's all of us. So, like, you're in relationship of some kind, some sort, and what we need is relational wisdom in order to navigate those to be healthy and whole, to be their absolute best. I don't know anyone that's in a friendship or in a, a marriage relationship or in a family dynamic that wants it to be poor, that doesn't want it to be good. You want it to be good. So if that's our intent and that's what we long for, then maybe there's some wisdom. We have been created to be in relationship. The scriptures declare this all over the place. Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to one another. The very beginning of the church was about relationships. That's one of the things I value and love about our church, is how we relate well to one another and how we live in relationship with one another. We see God living in relationship even with himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. There's this eternal relationship with that. We were all born into a family. In fact, you have survived if you were not born into a family and into relationships. Whether it was good or bad, you needed relationships from the very beginning. Jesus modeled the need for relationship as he chooses his disciples, right? And even out there were three close with. I know my mic is cutting in and out. Is that bothering anyone else? Okay. So I'll just keep rolling while Micah fixes it. Jesus modeled the need for close relationships, and we have the one another scriptures all throughout the Bible. Are you ready? This isn't all of them, but here they are. They describe what we're about. Pregnant pause. Wait for it. The one another passages of the Bible. Here they are. We are commanded to love one another, encourage one another, care for one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, be at peace with one another, respect one another, submit to one another, forgive one another, comfort one another, pray for one another, confess our sins to one another, and be hospitable to one another. Whew. 
I didn't have enough breath for all of that. So the one another's are to be lived out, guess what, in relationships. And so we need some relational wisdom as it comes to how we live out healthy relationships. Wisdom is what actually helps relationships go well. It has to do with what you do, not just with what you think. How many of you have had really good intentions before and not acted them out? Right? That's January 1st for most people in America. Right? And so we have good intentions, but wisdom is actually how you live them out. It's how you have actions into your relationships and live out relational wisdom. James, uh, the book of James in the later part of the New Testament, has some insight about wisdom. Here's what it says here. Listen to the relational language of it. But wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Every single day in your relationships with family, with friends, with coworkers, you are sowing seeds into those relationships. It could be selfishness. You could do that. It could be foolishness, you could do that. Or you could choose to sow in maybe some of the good that James is talking about here that would be for the health of your relationships, to get them to a better place. So I want to look at three things tonight, what we see in the book of Proverbs, that talks about how to develop relational wisdom, how to have that activated more in your faith. And it begins with this. We need to have wisdom with our ears, with our ears. Who we listen to and how we're to listen matters in our life. This may seem basic, but here's what I know about humanity. We all need reminders. And the truth is, we need to get better at listening. Stephen Covey says, many people do not listen with the intent to understand. They actually listen with the intent to reply. How many of you have ever noticed this in your conversations where you're listening and what you're listening for is for the person to stop and take a breath so that you can interject? How many of you are married? Yeah, you've been there. Um, how many of you that did not go well? Yeah. So in that experience, what often we do is we listen for the pause because we have insight to want to give or a response to want to put forth for someone. And into that moment, we have realized, or maybe we don't realize, we really haven't been listening. We've been listening to reply. But listening is important. Here's what Proverbs 18, 13 says. The one who gives an answer before he or she listens, this is foolishness and a disgrace to them. James chapter 1 says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Our world would be a better place if we just practice James 1.19. We live in a culture that loves to speak and is quick to do it, but is slow to listen. And the scriptures say, no, no, it's the opposite of that. Do it the other way. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. See, there is nothing manipulative about listening. You cannot try to control someone through listening. Not listening to someone is lazy, but really listening requires commitment and concentration on your part because you're listening to learn, to connect with them, not just to gain information, 
You're trying to deepen your relationship one to another. A willingness to listen tells the other person, I value you. I value you. And as you listen to them, you're communicating that. As they listen to you, they're communicating that value to you. Building healthy relationships involves a commitment to truly listening. It's a skill we have to develop. And there are no shortcuts to deeper, healthy relationships that don't involve listening intentionally. And so we need to kind of build up this practice of listening. In fact, here's the challenge this week. As you go through your normal week and through your conversations, listen for yourself, watch yourself, tune into who you are, and notice how many times you are in a conversation where you are actually listening for the pause so that you can reply versus actually truly listening to someone. And just maybe make a mental check. As they always say, check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? So... Keep a log this week of how often you do that. That might be an indicator to you that, hey, whoa, maybe I actually need to get better at listening because maybe you're Mr. or Mrs. Fix-It, and you're really just listening to get to the place where you can try to fix it. But actually part of fixing it is listening. I learned this early on in marriage. I'm 20-plus, 25-plus years into it, still learning. We are also told, hey, we got to listen to the right kind of people, Right? Listen to those who are close. Listen to those who are close to you, who love you, who have uh, an intentionality and a care and a concern about you. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs 1.18, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Don't reject your mother's teaching. That's actually a refrain you will hear over and over through the book of Proverbs. Why? Because Solomon wrote this to his kids and to the church. Listen to those who are close to you. Now, you may not have a great relationship with mom or dad or those who are close to you, and I'm sorry for that, but maybe God has provided some other spiritual mothers and fathers into your life, and they're the ones who are close to you. Listen to them. Lean into them. Listen to counsel, to those around you who speak into your life and give you some wisdom. Proverbs 12, 15, a fool's way is right in their own eyes, but who listens to counsel is wise. That's why it's good to have advisors, people around you who can speak into your life. Listen to correction. Proverbs 15, 32. Anyone who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever listens to correction acquires good sense. Listen, it is not easy to listen to correction, is it? When your spouse or, or when your parents or, or where your friends or, or where your coworkers actually correcting you because you're in the wrong, no one wants to listen to that in that moment. What do we want to do? Well, you're wrong too. God, I don't know about what, but you are, right? And we want to respond that way. But what wisdom is saying is, no, no, no. See, that's a moment you need to be quiet because you might actually have something to learn. You might have a blind spot you didn't know about. And so listen, lean into that. Now, if there's a kernel of truth, own it. If there's not, then let it roll off and move on. Because not all correction is correct. But sometimes when people you love, people that love you, speak correction into your life, it's good for us to listen. So listening, we need to get more wisdom with our ears in our relational context and understanding of how to grow healthy relationships. We also need to have wisdom in our words. 
we use so many of our words. And in our world, we like to spout off words like it's going out of style. Say what you want, the way you want, any time that you want. We've taken the freedom of speech, which is an incredible freedom in our country, but we've often weaponized our words. And then we wonder why people get hurt or bent out of shape, or we wonder why we're so polarized, or wonder why we can't have civil discourse. I just described our culture, didn't I? That's the reality of the moment we're in. Why? Because we've weaponized words, and we haven't been very good at listening. But if we get better at listening, and we actually work on our words, then relationships can actually get to a healthier place and to a better place. Maybe Christians, followers of Jesus, are called to use our words a little more strategically and biblically and wisely. And you know what that starts with? The Bible implores us not just to spout off, but to actually be cautious with our words, to be hesitant even. Proverbs 17, 27. A man of knowledge, a woman of knowledge, uses words with restraint. Well, that doesn't really fly in our culture. We just use words everywhere. Words, words, words. No, a wise person uses words with restraint. There's actually caution to it. The Ten Commandments contain 297 words. Psalm 23 has 118 words. The Lord's Prayer, 56 words. Yet, in a recent report, the Department of Agriculture needed 15,629 words to describe and discuss the price of cabbage. Cabbage. 15,000 words to tell us about it. Longer than the Ten Commandments, Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer put together. So maybe it's not just the volume of words Maybe it's the idea, are we using the right words, the most useful words? Here's the simple truth. Wise people use their words wisely. Duh. Wise people use their words wisely. And sometimes there's actually restraint. Before we speak, let's consider what we're going to say. And does it even need to be said? Maybe that's the question we need to wrestle with. Here's a truth my mama always told me. You don't have to say everything you think. That was usually referred back to me as I was trying to get the last word in our conversations. You don't have to say everything you think. You don't have to respond. Now, some people believe that they know a little bit more than everyone else in every subject that's ever been known. And so whatever subject comes up, whether it's conversations about the stock market or sports or computers, criminal justice, football, politics, religions, they believe they have the first and final word in the matter, and they tell you about it. Do you know anyone like this? Don't elbow them. But do you know people like that? Solomon said, Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool is thought wise if they keep silent. Even a fool is thought wise if they keep silent. And all the introverts in the room, how many of you would describe yourself as an introvert? You would be fine going hours or even days without talking to anyone. How many of you, like, that sounds like torture. And so, like, you like to use words and you like people. And so you're the opposite end. You're, you're uh, those extroverts, right? Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Introverts might hear that idea that a fool is said to be wise even when they're silent, 
I'm winning. Maybe that is what you're saying as an introvert. Listen, you still need relationships. Okay, so maybe you could go days without talking to someone. Good for you. But you couldn't go years without that. And so you actually still need people. You still need to use words. You still need to have relationships. But you don't have to repeat everything you hear. And you don't have to say everything you think. And so Solomon's kind of saying, listen, there's some wisdom in here in holding your words. Now, we also don't live in a perfect or Pollyanna world where sometimes we actually have to say some things that are not easy or pleasant to say. But our words will carry more weight if we actually take the effort to try to say them well. And that's different. See, Proverbs 15, 23 says this, A man finds joy in an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. It takes effort and a lot of thought to make sure we say the right thing in the right way at the right time. We live in a culture where people will use volumes of words and they'll actually use them as a bulldozer and they'll just bulldoze right over people. When in reality, there's great power in our words. And so what if we actually showed a little more restraint and we took the time to figure out the right way to say it because sometimes we don't say things the right way at the right time, right? There was an officer that pulled over a couple, a married couple who was going down the road a little too fast, pulled them over and said, oh, you know, it's a good day. I really don't want to do the paperwork, and so I'm going to let you go with a warning. I think it's awesome that you're wearing your seatbelts. That's great. Good job. Begins to walk away, and that's when the wife leaned over and said, officer, when you drive the speeds we do, you got to wear your seatbelt. He turned around and made a different decision. Because sometimes the way we say things at the right time is the wrong time to say things. How many of you are married again? How many of you are dating? How many of you have siblings? You know the reality of this, don't you? That sometimes we don't say things the right way at the right time and in the right tone. Words have tremendous power. And so we need to make sure we use them carefully. Proverbs 13.3 says this, Tell us, or tells us, He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. If you guard your lips, you'll actually be better off if you're intentional with that. Now, none of us knows the certain number of words we have in this lifetime. You can't predict that. And for some of you, you're trying to figure out what your limit is because you're racing there but you don't know. But it's true that it's great danger sometimes in too many words. And so here's three Proverbs that just sums up this idea of the power of words. Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 18, 21. The one who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself or herself out of trouble. Proverbs 21. Wisdom in our ears. Wisdom in our words. And wisdom of who we allow and actually invite to speak into our lives. That's the third one. Relational wisdom says I'm going to have certain people that I really invite to speak into my life. Maybe you've heard this proverb before. 
as iron sharpens iron, so one man, one woman sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man, one woman sharpens another. Are they talking like a pillow fight? Is that the pictorial language here? No. What is it? It's like boot camp. It's like a football camp. You've got to have that kind of imagery in your mind. It's someone screaming and yelling in your face trying to motivate you to be somewhere different and to be different than you are right now in this moment. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It's this invitation that a wise person actually has people in their life that will speak up to them and will speak into their life. And sometimes that's a word of comfort because they come alongside you. But sometimes that's a word of challenge and they're actually up in your grill. But they're doing it because they love you. In fact, they would say, I love you too much not to say what I need to say to you. And so do you have those kind of people in your life? Because here's the truth. If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus has saved you. You are a new creation. But you are still a work in progress. You are under construction. You are a new creation. But here's what Paul says in Philippians. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. You're not done yet. And so there's work to do. There's ongoing work. So God is always at work in your life. But so often, he will leverage the lives of others in your life to be at work at shaping and sharpening you. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 5 through 6 says this, Better is an open reprimand than concealed love. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. Here's what Solomon's getting at. An enemy multiplies kisses. This means someone who isn't really your friend is just saying whatever is easy to say at the time. But a true friend is honest enough to say whatever needs to be said in that time. Do you have people in your life who can speak into your life, sharpening you, being used by God to help shape you, to be better than you were? and better than you are because you are still a work in progress. And so invite, get those kind of people. If you want to be wise, you need those kind of friends. And listen, you need to be that kind of friend for someone else. And that means you got to be in relationship. That means it's work. you got to put the work and the effort and the time into it in order to, to earn the right to be heard in those moments. Friends who can speak truth in love. That shows comfort at times where you need comfort. And that shows challenge at times when you need challenged. Uh, there's an author, he was a, a professor at, uh, at Yale, William Dershowitz, I'm going to butcher his name, but he wrote about living in the age of faux friendships, writing about the age of Facebook and friendships in the age of Facebook. Here's what he has to say. The moral content of classic friendship is commitment to virtue and mutual improvement. That seems to have been lost. We have ceased to believe that a friend's highest purpose is to summon us to the good by offering moral advice and correction. We practice instead the non-judgmental friendship of unconditional acceptance and support or kind of this therapeutic friendship. He goes on to say, we seem to be terribly fragile now. 
A friend seems to fulfill her or his duty, uh, we suppose, by taking our side and validating our feelings and supporting our decisions, helping us to feel good about ourselves. And we tell white lies even, to make excuses when a friend does something wrong, to do what we can to keep the boat steady, if you will. We're busy people. We seem to want our friendships fun and friction-free. As iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. That's called friction. And if you don't have friends in your life who can sharpen you, then you just have buddies. You don't have true friends. And so that's the challenge that Solomon is saying. Listen, you gotta have wisdom in your ears. You gotta have wisdom in your words. But you need wisdom in the people that you have around you that can speak truth in love. They're not just blasting you and bulldozing over you, but nor are they ignoring things where they're trying to challenge you to be better. Are you that kind of friend? Do you have those kind of friends in your life? It's the principle of accountability. Here's the questions I wrote down. Do you have these kind of good godly friends? Sharpening kind of friends. Are you allowing wise people to speak into your life even when it may be challenging to you at times? Because you will be the one who's blessed if you do. Do you have friends who can help hold you accountable? Grace and truth is what's necessary. It's what Jesus brought. When you study the life of Jesus, he was full of grace and truth. It's both and, not just either or. And when you live in the world of just give me this or just give me this, well, if it's just truth, well, those are the people that bulldoze you over and they bring harm and hurt. But if it's just grace and it's no, no challenge at all, well, then that doesn't take you anywhere. That's just kumbaya. We feel good, but I'm the same person I was 10 years ago. And that's not what you want. What you want is to spend more time in the wise seat, which means you've got to make movement. You gotta have people pouring in your life and pushing back against you. See, truth that doesn't originate in love is just harsh and cruel. And grace that is spineless is meaningless and it leads people nowhere. So when grace and truth come together, that's when you see real power and movement of God. I've had the honor to be a part of a pastor's covenant group uh, with four other guys for the last nine years. Uh, my buddy Jim was one of those guys. He just passed away a couple months ago. <clears throat> but David and John, they are part of that group. James is a part of that. And, and we've gotten to spend uh, a day, a month together for the last nine years, pretty much every month. And do you know what we talk about? You. <laughs> just kidding. Well, we actually do talk about you. Um, but like we... We talk about our churches. We talk about life and what's going on. We talk about challenges. We don't use names. But we talk about things that are happening and how do we help give wisdom into one another. We talk about our families. We talk about our friendships. We talk about life. We confess our sins to one another. That's challenging. Guys, I totally blew it here. Man, over here, I'm a mess. We pray for each other. There but for the grace of God go I. What's been 
amazing about these friendships, these, this covenant group, is how often they've comforted me when I needed comfort and how often they've challenged me when that's exactly what I needed. See, I don't need, I don't need buddies. I need friends who will actually be with me in the mess. They'll be right alongside me. But they'll also challenge me. They'll, they'll help me. They'll ask the right questions. Hey, did you ever think about it this? No, I did think about that, and I didn't want to think about that because that means I'd have to change, so I didn't think about that. But now you're bringing it up again, so dang it. Now i got to think about it. And now you're right. And I totally am, it's a blind spot. And, and so into those moments, we speak into each other's lives. Do you have friends like that? Are you a friend like that, who says, listen, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not here to shout or bulldoze over you and just yell things and lob word grenades and run away. I'm here to challenge you, but I'm not going anywhere. And so I'm with you. And we'll fix it. We'll get through it. But you need to make a change. You need to own that. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. It's the wise thing to do. I know some people come to church and they go, well, I don't have any friends. Okay, I'm going to tell you what I tell my kids. Then be a friend. Friendship's not automatic, just like wisdom. It can be acquired, but it takes work. It takes effort. You want to have better relationships in your home? You want to have better friendships? You want to have better relationships with coworkers? Well, guess what? Work at it. There are no shortcuts to this. And so if that's what you want, and that's what wisdom says, hey, you want to be better person tomorrow than you are today? Well, then you're going to need people around you. Sure, you can be an introvert. You can go days without talking to people, but you still need people. And you extroverts, maybe a few less words, right? That Be careful with that. And so there's this challenge, this invitation for us to say that's how we get better. We are all better when we have relational wisdom operating in our life. Wisdom in our ears, wisdom with our words, wisdom with the right kind of people speaking into our life. Solomon says this, Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Walk with the wise. Become a wise person. Search for wisdom like you search for a treasure. And you'll get better at this. And you'll become that kind of friend, and you will surround yourself with those kind of friends. That's what we want your e-groups to be. That's what we want discipleships to, to groups to be. That's what we want our community to be, a place where people can have real friends, not just buddies. But real friends who will help make you better, and that you'll help make them better. The best friend we have is Jesus. And he's the one that's modeled this. He's the one that shows us this. Solomon says, a man of many companions comes to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That is Jesus. Closer than anyone else that you'll ever have in your life. But also inviting you to bring others closer so that you can listen to them, that you can use your words wisely with them, that you can speak into their life and they can speak into you and you will grow relationally wise. So Father, that's what we want at the end of the day. 
we want to get better at having wisdom activated in our relationships, whether it's our family, with coworkers, with friends, with neighbors. God, we want to have better friendships, better relationships. And so we recognize that we got to keep looking to Jesus. He's the model of how we do this. He's the way. At the same time, would you give us wisdom this week to say, okay, what do I need to work on this week? Is it wisdom with my ears? Have I done a poor job of listening? Do I need to get better at that? Do I need to make sure I'm listening to the right kind of people? Do I need to get better with my wisdom with my words? Maybe say less of them. Or I don't have to say everything I think. Or maybe... Maybe it's just owning the fact that I need to get better and more intentional about how I use my words. Is it wisdom of getting the right kind of people speaking and influencing into your life or you becoming that kind of friend to someone else? So Father, each one of us has a next step. Would you show us what that might be this week? As we worship you in song, whether we're online or here, we lean into this moment. And we whisper the prayer simply, Jesus, we want to get better at having relational wisdom because it will make our relationships better. And we want to be better. Speak to me now. I- 
song is a prayer for you. I'm just saying, God, I want to be, I want you to have access more and more. I want to know you more. I want you to be influencing into my life more and more. It's great to, to worship with you. 
Danny, I love watching you play. I just, I don't know if you know, he's got no music, he just plays. And I just love the heart of our worship team that just says every Sunday, we want people to experience God. And I don't get this on a radio or with a CD. And so I hope that worship just kind of grows a heart of worship for you that, you, that you just get to know God better. That's what we want for you. And so just thanks for being with us. Thanks for tuning in online. We hope every Sunday is like kind of that refresher for you, kind of like a spiritual pit stop, if you will, that fuels you up for the week ahead. So a couple last things. Again, if you're new here in the house, we have a 10-minute party where literally we have the best popcorn this side of the Grand Canyon just for you to say hi and say thanks for taking a chance with us. So we'd love to meet you there. If you're online, you don't get the popcorn, but you can fill out a connection card. We'll connect with you. Maybe we'll save you some. Uh, June Proverbs. Again, Proverb of the Day. If, if you're just starting, like just here, hey, it's the 13th. Just read chapter 13 today. Really want to encourage all of us to kind of be reading the proverb of the day, just kind of listening for what God might have for you. Next Sunday, hopefully it won't be as hot, uh, but it's Father's Day. So woot woot to all the dads. Uh, as you come in next Sunday, you're going to fill out your name into a drawing. We've got some giveaways just like we did for Mother's Day for fathers. And we're doing an old school ice cream social. So you don't have to bring anything to show up and eat ice cream. I mean, how cool is that? Literally, it's cool. We call it in our house, it's treatment. You need to get some treatment. So uh, next Sunday, old school ice cream right after, uh, probably over here in the side, we'll mark it off. But uh, we'd love to, to have you be a part of that with us next weekend. So may God's blessing be upon you. May his grace shine in you and through you. May he help you to listen more intently to use your words more intentionally. And may he bless you with the kind of friends who speak into your life and motivate you to be that kind of friend. We love you, friends. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.